How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshays. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey there, Jason. How are you? Wendy, I am fantastic. Just Love fantastic. It. I just got back from uh, Los Angeles for a meeting. It was uh, very LA out there. I saw <laughs> almost $6 gas. It made me die a little on the inside, but Aww. it was it was cool being out there. We found, we were we took this walk down the marina and there was a seal that had just parked itself and like taking a nap in what looked like a ski parking space. And he just kind of would yawn and kind of flap and was waiting probably for someone to feed him. Yeah. But it was just like, oh, this is how this works when you are on the water. You These know, you're not supposed to get real close to them, right? I don't think you're supposed to go over and like hug them. No, well, you're not, you're not supposed to get within like 20 or 30 feet of them because they... I was definitely more than 20 or 30 feet from Well, it. then you were, you were breaking the seal law. Okay. Seal, okay. Uh, seal code section 502. Well, they come out of the away. water to rest. And we don't want to scare them back into the water. Okay. That's, that's, I just figured they'd attack you. <laughs> like, it wasn't like, no, you know, for seal. the seal's sake, it's for your sake. Don't touch the seal. Oh, no, no. Like, bite your hand off. Well, you know, we, we figure people have more common sense, but, you know, people are proving us wrong all the Wendy, time. Wendy, this is America, home of the Tide Pod snack bite. You know, there's definitely things we have to check. And tell people to defend the kids things. on that. They do look like candy. <laughs> True. They also washed your laundry. I'm not talking about the <laughs> challenge, though. I'm talking about the little kids that were okay. Eating. Okay. Anyway, okay. Uh, we veered off course as usual. We are completely off in some third, like third yes. base line somewhere. Exactly. Uh, we do have a guest. We have Zachary Carver here today. Hi, Zach. Hi, Wendy. How are you doing? Good. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Zach is a great member of our team. He came on board a, a couple of years ago and he's our tax compliance manager. So he runs our tax process, make sure it's efficient and people are getting what they need done. He worked his tail off this last tax season, which is very much appreciated by our team. But he's also one of our tax advisors and works with folks on their investments and their financial plan. And uh, I work really closely with him. So I'm just glad we get to have him on the podcast today. I'm glad to be here. You like taxes. I do. I know it's a uh, uh, a weird thing to say, but I do enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be someone that likes it, right? Absolutely. We're all in big trouble. Well, Absolutely. that'll be one of the things we talk about today. Uh, we're going to talk, we're kind of go back to those five uses of money, right? We've We've talked about the giving, we've talked about saving, We've got all these different components here. Today, we're going to talk about owing. And there's two things you can owe, right? You can owe debt and can you owe taxes. Neither of them sound that great, right? Like owing anything is like, ugh. No, I'd like to owe keep this. You, yeah, you like to hang on to it, not pay somebody. So let's like start with the owing in the more traditional debt perspective. And so, Zach, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's terminology to turn out like, oh, there's good debt and bad debt. And that's true. There is some, I'd say, 
uh, finger quotes, good debt. And there's definitely some bad debt. How would you kind of categorize that for our listeners of, of what would you kind of generally put in those two categories? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are, you know, good you know, air quotes, debt and bad, bad debt. Uh, some of the things that we would consider uh, to be good debt or acceptable uh, debt is, you know, business debt, mortgages, things that you're taking out money to, um, you know, hope for a, a, a good return on that investment. Uh, some of the things that are, are pretty common uh, sources of bad debt, one of the big ones is credit cards. Uh, that's usually, you know, we, we talk to clients about that often. It's a, 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 con- a common consumer debt uh, that is, is a bad one to have uh, based on, you know, their, their interest rates are significant. Uh, sometimes things that, you know, people may not consider to be bad debt, uh, would be student loans. Uh, you know, student loans can be a bad debt if the career that you are going into does not compensate you, uh, for the costs that you're paying for that education. Well, and, uh, and we've seen that plenty where someone has gotten $175,000 in student loan debt because they have a, a degree in theater production from a school where they didn't have a drama program and they work in as a manager at a restaurant. So there's this discorrelation between the job I went to school for and the job I have, uh, and it doesn't jive up there. I mean, versus say you go to dental school and you're going to be probably in for 300 to $400,000 in student loan debt, Mm -hmm. but your corresponding career does very compensate you for that with a much higher income. Absolutely. uh, But you don't really know what kind of job you're going to get once you're done school. I mean, so what about that part of it? Well, that's very true. I mean, you know, most people go to college because they have an idea in mind of where they want to go. But things to consider, you know, some may not. (laughs) So there's always that aspect of it, too. But one thing to consider, too, if if you know you're going to go to school for, for theater, you know, unless you're getting into... Uh, you know, I think Juilliard is one of the top ones over there. I'm sure their their tuition is pretty high, but uh, there's other. You know, if you're you're going to go to Duke University and spend sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year uh, just because you got into Duke uh, and and can get in if they even have a theater program, um, versus going somewhere else that you know might even have a better theater at a lower cost. It, so it's it's a combination of specifically the student loan is a combination of what you want to do and can you get that same level of education or even a better education at a lower cost school. So, and that's, that's where we have folks who they want the experience of college. Right. And one of the big things I, we advise clients is that you you can always get a loan for education. You can't get a loan for retirement. Go figure. No one wants to just send you money to just hang out and live and not work. But what happens with students is sometimes they get this vision of what they want to experience and it's an all or nothing kind of thing where, no, I want to go to the private, private liberal arts college in Vermont in the maple trees and, and go and eat Ben and Jerry's whenever I feel like the original one. However, there is not this appreciation for what the cost of that is. So uh, I've had a client where I've had to talk to him and say, well, I wanted my daughter to go to this really nice school in New York. I'm like, well, I get that. However, if you don't have the financial means to do that because you haven't been saving for retirement, you haven't been doing this, you can't do that. 
because and pay for it all. You're going to have to, someone's going to have to accept debt, which means someone's going to take responsibility for that choice. So maybe you start at community college and work your way into those kind of things. And that's a great option because you have like two years, it's low cost. And then you have two years of higher cost. Um, or, you know, do what I did when I was in college. I applied for every scholarship known to man. And I was like, if it, if I could apply, I applied. And I sent tons of those things out because I hated debt. I didn't want student loan debt, which I was very happy to get through college and not have to do that. But so Zach, the other thing that we, so on back on the good debt part, we kind of focus a little bit, just a smidge on like, what makes it good, right? And I think you mentioned business debt, a mortgage, mm -hmm. the business debt, that's, that's an income producing debt. It's fueling its leverage to help fuel something that would produce money that would theoretically pay for it, right? I think exactly. that's, that's kind of the core part of what makes that a, a quote unquote good debt. Same with the house. No one's sitting around, especially in this market with 400,000 in cash and just goes, oh, so buy that place over there. That seems nice. I don't have to pay rent now. Uh, so it's more like that's, you have to live somewhere and your options are you can buy using some leverage or you can rent and just have a, you know, an out every time. Absolutely. What about paying that stuff off? You know, is it, is it always advisable in your perspective to pay off debt, no matter good or bad? Um, what do you think about that? It's not always advisable. Uh, there are a few things that we look at, uh, namely the interest rate. Uh, and then, you know, cash flow would be another big, big thing uh, to consider. But in regards to the interest rate, really the things that we look at there is, you know, what the interest rate on that loan is and what, you know, a reasonable uh, expectation for return on if you were to invest that money instead. So, for example, if you have a mortgage at, you know, where we saw them a couple of years ago, two, three percent, sometimes even as low as one and a half, one point eight percent. Nine times out of 10, unless you have somebody who feels really strongly about uh, just, you know, having no debt, uh, we are going to advise that client to uh, put their money elsewhere uh, where they can invest it or, you know, pay off some other debt instead at a much higher interest rate. And we've seen that with uh, business acquisitions in the last probably year or two, people were getting great deals. Uh, dentists in particular were getting like 2.9%. 10-year notes to buy practices. And that now current, that same note now would be like six or 7%. And so they're paying some of that for equipment loans. And it's like, yeah, pay that off. But um, honestly, that is the cheapest money you're ever going to see. You could stick into a savings account or a money market account over here and make four and a half percent. I think the and two of them- And you keep the difference. And you keep the difference. So, I mean, that works out pretty good. So I think it's before when it was zero interest rate, like everything, you know, cash didn't do anything. I think it was a different story where it, paying it down was kind of, well, it's not doing anything over here. So may as well do something with it. Um, made a lot more sense. Now uh, the interest rate game is, is a one that makes a, have to rethink the approach, right? Absolutely. I, I think we are going to see that, that shift, you know, for the past few years, we've seen really low interest rates. I mean, money was essentially free to borrow. Um, and, and now we're seeing mortgages go up six, seven, eight percent. Uh, so not only are people, you know, considering or reconsidering, I should say, um, whether or not they, they even want to take out a mortgage up at this time, uh, other debt is also going up as well. Mm -hmm. So there are, we are, I believe, going to see a shift over people who are taking out debt right now, uh, you know, five, 10 years down the road, if they've taken out debt within the past year, we're likely going to see a shift of, it actually makes a lot more sense to pay off 
your your higher interest eight nine ten plus percent uh, rather than try to stick that money into account and try to you know outpace that interest rate in return on investment. Mm-hmm. So I agree hundred percent. I think there's it's it's a changing environment. It's um it's actually kind of interesting from a playing perspective because you actually kind of have to rethink the logic. You have to really look at the individual circumstances because before where there was everyone was kind of dealing with the same base case. Now we have a lot of variability in terms of when you got your loan really changes what you do with it. Uh, If it was five years ago, if it was five months ago, makes it where you're like, well, this isn't, I wouldn't do that if it was a year ago, but definitely do it now. So let's talk about the other O, you know, you know, paying debt is an after-tax situation, right? You, You don't get a tax deduction for paying back a loan. So let's talk about taxes, since that's a big thing what you and I do. You're both CPAs. Uh, we This is kind of our, as Wendy said, you like taxes. So I like taxes. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about how you can control that part of your spending and use that to inform kind of the other, you know, looking at your, your savings, uh, looking at how that affects giving, your lifestyle, and how you pay back debt. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I do want to touch on right before we get into that is there are some sorts types of debt that you can receive some tax benefit from, and usually that's investment-related debt. So if you have a business loan, you can deduct the interest on that uh, in most situations. And you know, same with if you have rental properties, you can deduct the mortgage interest on those rental properties correct, as well. Correct, the interest. So, that's a very good point. The interest, the interest yes. is deducted, not the principal repayment. Correct. That's yeah. correct. That's yes. correct. Um. So yeah, so going into the uh, you know the taxes, taxes are a part of life. Everybody pays it. Nobody likes it. Um, <laughs> so, I have yet to find you know, that person. I keep looking every year. I'm like, oh, thank God, I get to pay these taxes. I've yet to meet that person who's joyful about oh, absolutely. taxes. So I've actually had a few clients who you know I, I told a number to them and and that what for what they owed in taxes and surprisingly, uh, to my surprise, they were uh, you know actually pretty excited about the number that I gave them. So that's that's about the closest I think I've seen to somebody enjoying uh, paying those taxes when that number comes back less than what they anticipated. It's, uh, yeah, and you never know because what someone may think is, oh, I owe a lot of money. Maybe, oh, well, I kind of thought I was going a buttload a lot of money. And right, so for right. them, it was a 2X number. But then you tell someone else that they're only going to get back $1,000 thinking, you know, that's pretty much on right on. Yeah, I, I'm used to getting ten thousand dollars refunds. Why do I get a refund? And right, like, uh, because you didn't give the government their money ahead of time. <laughs> um, so so let's actually on that note, let's talk about refunds because because yeah. I think people, and I want to clarify, this is a pet peeve. And I'm going to express, I'm a petty person at times, but this is a pet peeve. It's not your tax return. You don't get a tax. The return of money to you is not your tax return. That's the document you sign. A tax refund is when right. you get money back. Right. And a lot of people think refunds equals like you did good. Right. <laughs> uh, that's right. Why is that? Why is that not right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's a common misconception, you know, where a lot of people, you know, they look forward to, to tax season because they, they know that, you know, the past few years, they've gotten a few thousand dollars back. Um, and for people who, you know, are not the best at, at saving money. That's not necessarily always a bad thing. Now, oftentimes people will go and spend it on a vacation or something instead of use it towards things like paying off debt, like what we're talking about. But really the, the, the key 
uh, you know, component as to why getting a refund is not a good thing is because you essentially gave the government money, uh, you loaned them money interest free. So that money that you you got back, you should have never paid in in the first place. That could have been doing things that was more constructive, whether it be, you know, paying off debt, investing in, in some way, or, um, you know, just giving you more of a cash cushion to, to provide more mental um, relief on, you know, your budget. Um, so that's really the, the, the key reason as to why, uh, you know, receiving a refund is not not actually a good thing. A, a significant refund is that not actually a good thing. Well, when you think about it, sometimes it's like six grand. Absolutely. People. That's $500 a month in cash right. flow that was sitting in the government's coffers waiting for you to fill out a piece of paper and ask for it back. That would have meaningful impact to most people's lives, I would say. Even if you're a high-income person, 500 bucks is 500 bucks a month. Exactly. And, and vice versa, there's the side where you just pay at the last second. Uh, right. That has its own <laughs> cost, right? Because they say, "Well, it's the interest carry and yes. it's the cost of doing business." I think there's a balance to that. Uh, there's times where it makes sense to say, "You know what? I have something that I don't know what the number is. I I get cash with it. I'm just going to pay it with I get money, and so I'm not fronting it when the number could be completely different from year to year." I get that part, uh, but I also don't. I think most people forget about that balance due every year and mm -hmm. end up with a situation where they're on installment. And so now you've actually converted your tax bill to being a, a debt in your life. That's you correct. You paying it and, um, and it, you do have to make some changes because years ago I had a, a family who uh, they retired from the teacher system and then moved and be, became teachers again in a different state. And what happened was they'd taken what was normal withholding and they also moved to a, from a non-tax state to a tax state. And what ended up happening is their income was way higher than what their withholding should have been for working as teachers because they had the retirement pay too. And every year we would have to restart an installment agreement. And they'd be paying a pretty substantial monthly payment to pay off the old year. And I was like, you're going to have to take bite the bullet and start working up and having more withheld so you stop the cycle. Otherwise, you're just gonna, every year you're just going to basically have like, thousand dollars a month you're paying to the government right and then you'll always have a thousand dollars a month you'll never get to where okay next year we only have a 500 dollars payment and the following year we have zero and we're just absolutely done uh it's it's a hard it's taxes are not especially if you get under withheld i think that's the part where that becomes more of a problem with people cash flowing it and they end up mm -hmm. like having to get installment notes and payment agreements and it's a mess uh, and it's a big part, as we've talked about, it's a big part of people's lives. I mean, people pay so much in tax every year, Absolutely. but they don't even realize. And they think yeah. about your property taxes, your payroll taxes, that's the social security, mm -hmm. Medicare, it comes your paycheck, the income taxes you pay to your state and to the federal government. That number is huge. It's like crazy huge for most people. And it happens every single year. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, the, the big things, you know, why people enjoy getting refunds or are happy when they see that they're getting a refund is because there's so much fear around owing. Um, nobody, you know, nobody wants to get a bill from the government and says they owe $10,000. They'd be much happier getting a bill saying that they, uh, you know, are receiving $10,000. And they don't think about the fact that that money could have been used, uh, you know, at, on more constructive things throughout the year. Um, it, it's really one of those things where the fear outweighs uh, the fear of paying outweighs the, um, you know, the benefit of not receiving a refund in the mm -hmm. first place. 
And so I think that's something that we we have to coach a lot of clients through. And, and that's one thing that we at, at Cook Wealth do a lot of is, you know, tax planning. And we do that throughout the year. We, we talk with you know many of our clients, specifically a lot of the business owners, because their income is so variable. And we'll do estimates for them throughout the year to figure out where we are anticipating them being. And, you know, probably nine times out of 10, we are very close. I mean, most of the time when when there's something that is off uh, in our estimate, it is something that we just weren't aware of. Um, but we have plenty of clients, as you mentioned before, who are in the, the cycle of paying one uh, uh, IRS installment plan off just to get on to another one the mm -hmm. next month when we file their return. And so what we really try to do there is, you know, for lack of a better term, we try to stop the bleeding. So uh, we try to get them caught up through through the next year through withholding. So uh, maybe it won't cover the full amount, but their installment the following year will be less. And then the following year will be less until we can eventually get them off of one altogether. Yep. So, Well, and, and taxes are interesting because some of the other uses of money, the savings and the giving can actually impact that tax number, right? So if you increase your charitable giving, you can usually draw taxes down. If you're saving more into pre-tax retirement plans, you can shrink the tax number. And so that's all this, like the combination of this is why it kind of look at, we've referred to as like a pizza pie, right? You can cut some bigger slices out, which means the other slices have to either get smaller or bigger based on what they represent. And I think that's the one that most people like to make as small as possible is the tax one. And there's a part where that can only get so small, right? And we've talked right. about in the past that people are always, uh, I always like the uh, Shit's Creek reference where it's, this is a write-off. Well, what, what are you <laughs> writing off? I'm like, I don't know. Just it's a write-off. These are good, right? And, and not always, it isn't always good. There's right. times where people are trying to like get their income to zero. Yeah. Because they hate paying taxes. But then they can't qualify for a mortgage because they have no income. Right. Or they, uh, they can't. They they take these deductions where they get really hung up on. Well, I'm gonna go look for this one invoice from Lowe's on my rental property that the one they can't even deduct, or two, it's right. like a twelve cents on the dollar kind of return. And you're like, do you know that you spent two hours hunting for something that's gonna save you forty cents or yeah. whatever the case is? <laughs> and they don't exactly. they don't piece it. They think it's all each dollar is the same. And we could go into a whole thing about credits and deductions and all that stuff. But it, <laughs> it, it is it is interesting because people's desire to make that number as small as possible, even if it's yeah. unreasonable to do so, is a very powerful urge. I don't know if it's just American anti-tax pain, um, but it is a funny thing that people really want to drive that number to be as small as humanly possible, even when it makes no sense to do so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing I say to a lot of clients who are, you know, in that boat where they are just wanting to to buy things that they can technically deduct uh, just to reduce their tax bill, but don't necessarily need specifically for their businesses is, you know, I like to say I would rather keep 70 cents uh, of my dollar than, you know, give up 100 percent or my full dollar for something that I didn't need in the first place. Yeah, I um that part, I think that some of the best advice is take what you rather have the hundred, the, the, the post-tax dollar than not having the dollar at all. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Any uh, other last thoughts you want to share, Zach, on taxes or, or death that you think our listeners would really find some powerful yeah. nuggets of wisdom? 
One thing I would like to add is, you know, timing matters. And so, you know, we were talking about deductions. So when you purchase something, if it is uh, something that you can control, that can play a big part into your overall tax bill. So for example, you know, if you are a startup business, we have a client who started up a business uh, last year and she had several expenses that were, were coming up. Uh, but the first year there was already going to be significant amount of expenses. There wasn't a whole lot of income. So her income wasn't going to be, you know, significant last uh, in, in 2021. And so, you know, what we recommended was push a lot of those expenses out into 2022 when you've got a full year of income coming in from the business. That way your your deductions have more of an impact. If you're if you're purchasing things for deductions in a year where your tax rate is 10, 12 percent versus you can hold off a couple months and get a deduction at 22, 24, 32 percent. It's going to be nine times out of 10, much better to hold off and, and purchase those in the following year, if at all possible. Now, mm -hmm. if it's something where getting it in today and, you know, uh, taking deduction to deduction today uh, results in you being able to earn a significant amount of income much quicker, then that's a different conversation. It's not always about, you know, the tax savings. It's also about the overall impact that it may have on your overall financial picture. Again, we talk about good debt, bad debt. There's good purchases and, and like bad purchases, right? Things Absolutely. that can generate income, that can grow a business. And then there's the like, you know, you can do that. It's a bill you're going to pay anyway. <laughs> right. Don't do it now. Wait, wait till it's actually due. Uh, and we have all heard uh, from clients who are like, well, I have to pay all this by 1231. So I have, I'm just going to sit here and write checks all day long. I'm like, well, go and have a good party. But this was not the year to write those checks. Like, right. You you could, I mean, they're not even due till February. So pay them in February. Yeah. And it makes sense Absolutely. with them. Yeah. Well, Zach, I, I very much appreciate talking about this with you and I'm glad you could be on here. Um, Wendy, why don't you take us out? All right, Jason, why don't you tell us how to get in touch with you? Well, the best place to go is to go to cookwealth.com. You can also call our office 919-784-9100. And thank you so much for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC, is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.